Grace, mercy, and peace to you in the name of God, our Father. Amen. Today we're going to take a look at probably one of the most misunderstood attitudes in all the world today as we know it. We're going to take a look at the attitude of meekness. In our text this morning, Jesus just says, Happy are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. But when you listen to that, it almost sounds kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? I mean, the world talks about pushing to get ahead, right? Climbing over others, scrambling to get over the top. And it honestly believes when the meek inherit the earth, there's going to be some big bully that comes and takes it away anyway. And so this word meek has somehow lost its meaning over the years. It doesn't mean what it used to mean. Today could almost be considered a slur. You call a man meek and he's offended. It's something that we do not put on our resumes. But meekness is not some spineless jellyfish with no conviction. Meekness does not equal weakness. In fact, there's only two men in all the Bible that were called meek. One was Moses and one was Jesus, and neither one would ever be considered a pushover. And so ultimately, meekness actually means strength under control. The Greek word referred to a wild horse that was tamed or medicine that somehow tamed a wild fever. Again, this is idea of strength under control. Some of you may have heard about the Hells Angels group that went into Cook's Corner one time. They walked in and there was a truck driver sitting over in the corner eating his breakfast. One of the Hells Angels walked over to him, picked up a plate of, I guess it wasn't his breakfast, his lunch, picked up a plate of spaghetti, smashed it on the driver's head. Then he took the guy's beer and poured it on his lap. The truck driver didn't do anything. He just got up, paid his bill, and walked out. Hells Angel looked over at the bartender and said, not much of a man, is he? Bartender said, not much of a truck driver either. He just ran over 12 choppers on the way out of here. <laughs> Meekness is strength under control. And Jesus says this. He says, happy are those who don't overreact to people. Just think about how much simpler your life would be if you were always in control and you weren't reacting to the other people around you. In fact, this morning, God's got five ways for us that we can work on our reaction skills so that we might have more happiness in life. So much of life, it seems, we spend reacting to the people around us. God says there's a better way, a way that you can experience more happiness in life. And we're going to talk about them this morning. Paul gives us most of them, but James throws in one as well. As we go through these, I want you to personalize it. I want you to think about, how do I do in these situations? And then look to what God gives us for strength to overcome maybe some of our imperfections. One of the first things Paul shares with us is this. When someone serves you, be understanding, not demanding. Philippians 2, verses 4 and 5, it says this. <coughs> Don't just think about your own affairs which is very American and, and just very human, to be honest, to think of our own affairs. But don't just think of your own affairs. Be interested in others, too, and in what they're doing. Your attitude should be the same as Jesus Christ. So I want you to think about that for a moment. And I want you to ask yourself, how do you treat people that serve you? People that are in the service industry, waitresses and secretaries and clerks and tellers at the bank and fast food preparers, are you understanding or are you demanding? I got a window into this when I worked as a bank teller in college. And most of the time people were great, but every once in a while, and money's one of those things that tends to elevate people's emotions, right? You would, they, people would come in and they would treat you almost as subhuman, as people that weren't worthy of respect in any way, even though you were still trying to help them. We've all seen that at restaurants. 
When I was first here, um, we just had a situation with people would come into our church and they would yell at the secretary because the secretary didn't meet X, Y, or Z expectation. Until finally, I went up to a guy and said, please don't yell at my secretary anymore. Number one, it's not professional. It's not what you do in a place of business. Number two, this is God's house. Please allow your attitudes and what you do here be reflection of Jesus Christ and not selfishness, right? And number three, every time you yell at her, I'm going to come out and talk to you, right? And so, but we just forget, we forget to treat people as human. We somehow see them as objects of the industry and not actually people. A friend of mine went into McDonald's the other day and he was kind of explaining one of these situations and he says the place was packed out and happened to get a trainee and the poor guy was just messing it all up and I said to him, you know, hey, it's okay, don't worry about it. You got a lot of people in here on Sundays, don't you? And the guy at the counter, he said, yeah, always when that church lets out. This place is packed from that church over there. And he said, yeah, oh yeah, I'm the pastor over there. And the guy said, oh, you're, you're the pastor. And all of a sudden my friend said, hey, I got to thinking, what's the reputation of our church in the nearby restaurants? Are the people at our church being understanding or are they being demanding? He started thinking that because Americans have the reputation overseas of being very pushy, very rude, very demanding, of not being understanding at all. Yet the secret of great service you continue to hear is to show people respect. Conversely, the thing that makes a great Christian, the thing that uh, uplifts our heart and, and, and rests us from getting upset about all these little things is to respect those that are serving for us. And so how do you do and how do you react when people serve you? Another thing Paul brings up is he says, when somebody disappoints you, he says, you be gentle and not judgmental. In Romans 14, 1, and Paul writes, accept him who is weak in the faith without passing judgment on disputable matters. In other words, he says, happiness comes when you can accept people who have not attained your level of perfection, and please help me understand that you got the humor in that, Right? In other words, what I'm saying is, in other words, that you don't have to reach up to your standards, whatever you have concocted them to be, to get your approval. Paul continues, if a person is trapped in some sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. So how are you supposed to react? When somebody messes up in life, you get excited about it, you'd say, I told you so, I could see it coming. Only, only somebody who's too dumb to, to do anything would do that. Do you have a secret sense of satisfaction when other people blow it? When people at your work blow it, when people on the freeway blow it, do you get a secret sense of satisfaction that they got pulled over and got a ticket or that they got in trouble with the boss? I ask that because meekness is shown when people disappoint you and in response you are gentle and not judgmental. It's interesting, as you go through the scriptures, one of the things that angered Jesus more than anything was self-righteous religious people who were always judging other people. And I've seen a lot of Christians do the very same thing, and the reason they do is they maximize other people's sins and they minimize their own. They forget that they're just as bad a sinner, just in different ways, and so they always are pointing at other people saying, look how bad they are, I can't believe they're doing that. But very seldom are they self-reflective enough to confess their sins. Paul says, if you want more happiness, stop doing that. Another thing that Paul writes is if when someone disagrees with you, be tender 
without surrender. Fact is, you can't really please everybody in life. Just about the time you get crowd A please, crowd B starts to get upset with you. So you need to learn to be tender without surrender. Test of maturity is how do you handle disagreeable people, people that irritate you, people who like to contradict you, people who like to get into arguments with you, who like to quarrel with you. Because when that happens, you actually have three ways that you can respond to them, right? You can retreat in fear, you can attack in anger, or you can respond in love. We usually, we don't think of that last one. But meanness shows itself by never compromising our convictions. That if God calls us to love people, even when it's difficult, he still calls us to love them. And so you can be tender without surrender. Meekness is not being passive, being a doormat, giving in, always letting the other person have their own way. That's not meekness. That is weakness. But it's also not responding in anger. If someone disagrees with you, blow them away. Some people use verbal overkill and explode on people. Everything is a win-lose situation. And you know people like that, every conversation that you have, they've got to win, even when it, it doesn't matter at all. I read a book by General George S. Patton one time. It's called Patton's Principles for Managers Who Mean It. It's got a lot of really cool one-liners, but this is one of them. You never fight a battle where winning doesn't make any difference. In other words, don't get into an argument over something that doesn't matter anyway. Can, can we all agree to that? I mean, if it doesn't matter if you win or lose the argument, why are you arguing over it? I actually heard about a couple of guys in a Bible study that they weren't arguing over scripture or something that mattered, but some over some political thing, right? And they got so mad that they left the Bible study. Why? They lost perspective. It wasn't about bringing people closer to Jesus. It was about winning an argument and is it inflamed by our media today? Absolutely. Is it inflamed by all the people that you, all the politicians that you hear? Absolutely. Is it model Jesus Christ at all? No. No, no, it doesn't. James 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, wherever there is jealousy or selfish ambition, there will be disorder. But wisdom from above is pure, peaceful, gentle, and friendly. In other words, meekness is being able to walk hand in hand without seeing eye to eye. I'm a Detroit Lions fan. I have friends that are Cardinal fans, and I, have, I even have friends that are Packer fans, if you can believe that. And, and I was just talking to somebody before the service. This is the time of year I'm most hopeful because it's the draft, and we usually have a good draft pick. And so I always think, hey, this could be the year, you know, right about now. But I have all sorts of friends that are, are fans of all sorts of other sports teams. I'm a Republican, and I have friends that are Democrats. Can you believe that? And we can hang out, we can have fun, and we can enjoy each other. We can even have spirited debates, but we love each other, right? And it isn't about winning or losing. It's maybe about understanding, but that's it. And even when we understand the way the other person feels, we can still be friends. Why? Because we can see, we can walk hand in hand without seeing eye to eye with everything in life. Did you know it's okay if people disagree with you, if they have a different opinion than you? Can we honor that? But you know what we do today? We vilify people if they have a different opinion than we do. Call them things like Satan or the Antichrist or, or you name it. But can we just acknowledge that we can have differences of opinion? Remember, when you disagree with people, there are three responses. You can be a passive doormat, go ahead and have your way. You can fight them tooth and nail, blow up and get angry. You can fight back and be sarcastic. Or you can love them and be gentle. 
In 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25, it says that meekness is a qualification for spiritual leadership. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, it says. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in hopes that God will give them a change of heart. And so especially for pastors, but for Christians, the people that know that you're Christians, all your conversations should be in an effort to lead them to Jesus, not away from him. The Bible says that we're not to argue with people, we are not to get into quarrel, we are not, but we are to gently instruct and hope, and I would add pray, that God would be able to change their hearts, help them see Jesus and be with us in heaven one day. Because happy are those who treat others the way that God treats us. Then James throws one in and he says, when someone corrects you, be teachable and not unreachable. Meekness, in other words, has a teachable spirit. Meek people are eager to learn. Meek people don't pretend they know it all because they know they don't know it all, so they don't have to pretend it all the time. In James 1.19, it says, Let everyone be quick to listen and slow to use his tongue and slow to lose his temper. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible because it tells you how to control your temper. Don't raise your hands on this, but does anybody here have a temper problem? Don't raise your hands, okay? The reality is that I know a lot of people struggle with a temper problem, right? Sometimes they bury it consistently or sometimes they just fly off the handle. This is how you can avoid your temper issues. If you're quick to listen, which means you start every inflammatory situation by trying to gain understanding. And then you're slow to speak. I am horrible at this one. I, I might listen, but I'm not slow to speak. So I'm talking through you. I mean, so I need to put a zipper over my mouth, you know, so I can process what it is that people are sharing. If you are quick to listen and gain understanding and slow to open your mouth because it means you're processing what they've said, the, nat the, the third thing is natural. You'll be slow to become angry. If anybody here has had a temper issue and got upset and then later gained knowledge that helped them not be angry anymore, you would benefit by this. And by the way, that's almost always the case, to be fair. You need to listen. You need to use your ears. Be teachable. Be understanding. When your mate or your mate's parents or your parents make a constructive suggestion to you, how do you relate to it? Do you get uptight? Do you get defensive? If you do, may I make a suggestion? Stop considering the source and consider the suggestion. Meek people don't have all the answers, and so be wary of people who do. Those people are the ones that you need to be afraid of. They're dangerous. And so ask yourself, are you open or closed to new ideas? Are you open or closed to change? Every time we change something in the church, and this is true of every church and every business, people hate it because people in general do not like change. And they'll say stuff that doesn't make any sense. It's just the way they feel. We've always done it that way. But why is that the best way? I don't know, but we've always done it that way. So it must be right. A meek person, when someone corrects you, you're teachable, not unreachable. Proverbs 13, 18, whoever listens to correction is honored. Sina saw a while back, I'd rather change my mind and succeed than have my own way and fail. Amen to that? Amen to that. Uh, too often are we way too stubborn and get into so many bad situations if we could just change when we need to. Praise be to God. 
A meek person is not a weak person or a wimp. A meek person is understanding, not demanding, gentle, not judgmental, teachable, not unteachable. And finally, Paul gives us this last one. When somebody hurts you, be an actor and not a reactor. In other words, takes the initiative. Romans 12, verses 17 and 21, it says, Do not repay evil for evil, but overcome evil with good. Fact of life, you will be hurt in this life. You have many hurts in this life. Just a reality. And you will be hurt by other people many times intentionally. The meekness issue is how do you respond to it when it's intentional? What is your normal reaction when people hurt you intentionally? That means on purpose. Our normal reaction in America is to retaliate, to get even. We are usually at our creative best trying to think of our comebacks or what we want to do to get even with them. We're so good at thinking up creative strategies for revenge. But to retaliate is to react. They both start with the letters RE, which are our responses. They both are reactions. But to respond with forgiveness before they even ask for it is to take the initiative, right? It means to act. God says when you forgive, even when they haven't asked for it, you cleanse your heart, you free yourself from that anger, from that vengeance, from all those things that make your life miserable and make you sad and lead to depression. John Powell in his book, Why Am I Afraid to Tell You Who I Am, said he was walking down the street with a friend and they stopped to get a paper. The man selling the paper was grumpy and discourteous and very rude. The friend, as he, as he was walking away, said to the man, you have a nice day now. John Paul asked his friend, is that man always so rude to you? Yeah. Are you always that nice to him? And his friend said, well, yeah. I'm not going to let one man ruin my day. Booker T. Washington, the great black scientist, faced prejudice all the way through his life. And he said this, I will never allow another man to control or ruin my life by making me hate him. I want you to consider that for a moment. And how many times do you let one person ruin your day? I'll just give you a little uh, window into my life. I'm somewhat grumpy in the morning. I know it's hard to imagine that ever, but I, it takes me a while to wake up before I've had my, my shower or, or what my kids call my happy drink, my Diet Coke. I mean, it, it, sometimes I'm not the most cheery, you know? And my wife, sometimes I can be less than cheery and that can ruin her whole day. Even though it's just for a second in the morning, it kind of sets her off in the wrong direction. I said, stop letting me control your moods. And there's actually wisdom in that. It's not just an excuse, right? We let people, one person sometimes, ruin the rest of our day. Why? Because we spend the rest of our day reacting to that hurt. Do you see that? In those times, in those days, we make ourselves miserable because of one instance at one, that one person did. When you say, you make me mad, you are admitting that they are controlling your emotions. Stop letting them. The other person has power to control your emotions. That's what you're saying. The moment you start retaliating, you start seeking revenge, you start trying to get even, you give up control of your life, just like you give up control of your day by rehearsing that hurt over and over. You're no longer in control. You're reacting, not acting. And that's a position of weakness. Jesus said the meek person knows how to let it go. Jesus promised this, happy are the people who can control their reactions, for they will inherit the earth. That's just another way of saying happy are the meek, right? 
for they will inherit the earth. What does inherit the earth mean? You'll be in control of your situation, that the world is yours, that this person can control the situation because they are not controlled by the situation. If you're a meek person, here's the beautiful thing, you are no longer a victim as you walk through life because you're in control of your choices. Person can be grumpy to you in the morning and you can say, well that stunk, you know, but then you can move on with a great day. You're in control of your choices. Strength, right, strength controlled by love. That's what meekness means. Power controlled by love. Even though you could blow them away, you don't. And Jesus, he's a prime example of this. He was hanging on the cross. He could have caught down 10,000 angels to defend him, to destroy all those people that were mocking him that day, to destroy all of them. He could have blown up the world, to be fair, but he didn't. Think about it. He had control over literally everything. He had control to initiate anything. But instead of reacting to our sin at that moment, he chose to love us instead so that he could provide a way so that we could spend the rest of our eternity with him. And he said this while he was on the cross. Do you remember? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. There will come a day when the second chances end, right? We call it judgment day. But until then, he gives us Jesus. And Jesus looks and peers into our life. And upon our repentance, he says, you are forgiven. Why? Because I love you, and I want to spend my eternity with you, and I've given you literally everything so that you can do it and spend that with me. Cling to my son, Jesus. Cling to my forgiveness. Cling to my love. And in a very beautiful way, that ultimately, that understanding is what gives us the strength to be meek. And that's where happiness truly begins. And all God's people said, amen. Let us pray. Father, again, we thank you as we're walking through this whole series on how to find happiness. And as your usual, it's, it's always somewhat difficult, but I think as we go through each series, we can see how we're getting in the way of experiencing more and more of the happiness that you want us to experience in life. And you don't say happiness comes from, from you know, <laughs> bubbles and grins and all that kind of stuff and rainbows. It, it comes from you. It comes in the midst of life as we know it, not in its perfection, not in its completeness, but, but in the ups and downs of life. And, and we find ourselves, at least today, playing a victim way too often to what other people are doing. And it takes away our joy. We find ourselves acting in ways that are inappropriate and harmful and counterproductive to us experiencing peace and, and, and good relationships, and that takes away our joy. Father, our prayer today is that more and more that you can help us see your truth and breathe wisdom into our actions and reactions so that not only can we experience more happiness, but we can experience more you. That's our prayer today in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.